I am very excited to be here this morning on behalf of the Central Christian Church Governing Elder Board to introduce our guest speaker. Uh, I think Darren noted a few weeks ago that one would have to be living under a rock to know that uh, big things are, not hap are happening in Kansas right now, to not know that, and that the battle of life has hit ground zero here in Kansas. As Christians, we know spiritual battles rage all the time. It's a consequence of living in a fallen world, but right now the spiritual battle for life is close enough to be in our mailboxes on our doorsteps, and on our ballots. Recently, we have been working to register voters and help spread the word about why it is important to vote yes on the Constitutional Amendment for Life. Further back, we've been hosting other events and providing volunteer opportunities since April. In early July, Value Them Both reached out to Centrum with one more opportunity to engage the culture on this matter. When they inquired about us having a particular guest speaker join us for a Sunday service, which happens to be today. Uh, the Central Christian Church Governing Elder Board unanimously approved the request, and we invited our guests to share our pulpit today. It's unfortunate that the timing of all this just happened when Darren is out of town, but as you just heard, he's his, with us, watching, I'm sure, and has sent his warmest greetings. Today, I'm pleased to announce we are joined by Tony Perkins, President of the Family Research Council. FRC is a national organization based in Washington, D.C., whose mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in public policy and the culture from a biblical worldview. FRC has been engaged in key cultural issues since 1983, speaking into issues nationally and locally. FRC advises members of Congress, governors, and other leaders across the nation on the, on the issues affecting them from a biblical perspective. Tony Perkins is Family Research Council's longest-serving president, leading the organization since August of 2003. Prior to coming to FRC, he served in the Louisiana legislature, where he was recognized as the leading conservative and pro-life voice in that body. During his tenure as FRC's president, Tony has substantially deepened the organization's influence on Capitol Hill and throughout the country. He has also expanded the organization's reach across the nation by building a major network of pastors and churches, encouraging them to interact with the culture by thinking nationally but acting locally. In May 2018, Senator Majority, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell appointed Tony to the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. In, in his two terms on that independent bipartisan commission, he has served as both vice chair and chairman. Tony is the host of a daily national syndicated radio and TV show, or TV show, Washington Watch with Tony Perkins. A veteran of the United States Marine Corps and former police officer, Tony brings a unique perspective to the public policy process and his, he and his wife, Luana, have been married since 1986, have five children and one grandson. Tony is right now crisscrossing Kansas for a few days, lending his voice to the effort to pass value them both, and we are excited to hear what the Lord has asked him to share with us today. Will you join me in a warm central welcome to Tony Perkins? Thank you, Robert. I appreciate the introduction, and uh, I guess you can tell who's from out of town, right? Suit and tie here this morning. I forgot what it's like to be, it's so hot in this part. I grew up in Oklahoma, so not too far from here. I forgot what those summers are like. It's like a sauna here. My home is, uh, most of the time, is in Louisiana. It's like a steam bath, so a little, little different. Well, I, I want to thank, uh, again, thank Robert for the introduction, but thank Pastor Darren for the invitation to be here this morning. I am grateful for churches like this and pastors like Pastor Darren 
that preach the Word of God and challenge people to be in the Word of God and are people of prayer and reaching out across the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must transform hearts and minds, and we do that through the Word of God. So thank you for uh, supporting your pastor and, his, and the staff here and for being a light uh, in Kansas. Now, I know some of you may have thought, oh, man, we got a guy from Washington, D.C. here preaching this morning or speaking. I, I could have stayed home and maybe watered the garden or something. I don't know. Let me uh, give this disclaimer. Long before I ever thought of politics, the Lord called me to preach. I've been preaching since I was 15 years old. The Lord, uh, he called me to preach in nursing homes. Now, little did I know that that was preparation for the legislature and politics. Yeah, I have found that both crowds are hard of hearing and slow of moving. <laughs> but I have a word for you this morning from the Word of God. Our passage is the book, it comes from the book of Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, and our key verse is verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. So what does it mean to choose life? Well, that is the title of the message this morning. And before we get into the message, I, I may forget to mention this later, so I want to tell you now as a as a, a part of choosing life that we're going to be talking about this morning, we want to help you here in Kansas to really provide leadership to the rest of the nation. And our team of, uh, of scholars and policy experts have put together information to help you to, to talk about life. There's a tremendous opportunity before us as a nation and, and really for you as Kansans to, to lead the way in moving America back to being a predominantly pro-life nation again. And we have some resources available for you. If you'd like to, I don't, you don't do this often in church, but if you want to take out your phone and text me, you can take out your phone and text LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 67742, or just take a screenshot of that and, and do it later. But we will provide with you information like, how do you talk to your pro-choice friends about life? How do you change their minds? And we've got facts and resources for you, as well as information available linked to the Value Them Both campaign. So again, just text the word LIFE to 67742. Now, the recent decision by the U.S. Supreme Court in the abortion case out of Mississippi puts this choice of choosing life squarely before our nation again. But as our text that we'll see in just a moment makes abundantly clear, while this choice does encompass abortion, it is about much more. It is really about the root cause of abortion, and that is the rejection of God and his truth. Now, some, some may respond to this message this morning and say it's too political because it's a topic that has dominated the media for the last two months. Well, let me state a historical fact. There was a time in our nation when Americans 
especially followers of Christ, did not look to cable news or talk radio to understand the, day, the, the events of our time. Instead, they looked to the Word of God and to the Bible-preaching pulpits of America that were not afraid to rightly apply the Word of God to what was happening in the world around us. Without hesitation, I tell you this morning that if Christians would turn off the TV and open the Word of God, we would find the power we need to overcome the darkness of this hour in which we are living. Having said that, how many listen to Washington Watch at 4 p.m. in the afternoon? (laughs) There are some programs worth listening to. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. We're going to read the entire chapter. This passage is specifically, and I'm going to give you the context here, it's specifically for Israel as God presents the conditions of his covenant with them as they go into the promised land. And while we readily acknowledge that this covenant is with Israel, the principles contained in this passage are universal. As the English Bible scholar Matthew Henry wrote of this, the principles in this passage, he said, quote, they belong to all persons and all people, end quote. The applicability of this passage is, is evidenced by Paul quoting from it in Romans chapter 10. So beginning in verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 30, now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, And you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you. And you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under the heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Also, the Lord your God will put all the curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecute you. And you again will obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your body and in the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he has rejoiced over your fathers. If You obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. See, I have sent before you today life and good, death and evil. 
And then I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in to possess. Now, let me stop there for just a moment and give a little context to what he's talking about. As they were crossing over into Canaan, the Canaanite people worshipped many gods, which is why God had previously instructed them to remove all of the inhabitants and all of the false gods. But two that we read of in the Old Testament that the people of Israel ultimately ended up worshiping in the high places were Molech and Chemosh, gods of fertility. And the worship of those idols included sacred prostitution. And these demon idols were worshiped with child sacrifice. And some scholars say the child sacrifice provided a convenient means of disposing of the children born to the temple prostitutes. You see, rejecting the one true God literally creates a culture of death. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we know that you have promised that your word will not return unto you void. And so this morning we do not look to the wisdom of men or to the sayings of the sages, but we look to the rock of ages. We look to you, Lord, the author and the creator of life, the sustainer of all that is. And we ask the Holy Spirit to anoint our hearts and our ears to hear and to receive what you are saying to us in this hour. Have mercy upon us as a nation. May we once again embrace your truth and walk in your ways that we may enjoy your blessings. In Jesus' name. Amen. If I were to tweet out the focus of today's message, this would be it. To choose life is to choose to love God, which means we will obey and follow him with all of our hearts and all of our soul. But what happens when a nation or an individual has made the wrong choice? Well, this passage, I believe, has the spirit. The answer this morning, repent and return to God with a resolve to obey and follow him. Then he says, watch as God restores his blessings of life. I heard a story one time about these three men who uh, happened to be traveling on, they were on the same plane, got in the same row, and I don't know how many of you travel, but I tell you what, it, it takes teamwork to eat the peanuts they give you. It's so tight on those planes now. And so these three guys were sitting there, and they began to have a casual conversation. It turned out one was a, a, a surgeon, one was an architect, and one was a politician, and they were all talking about uh, different things. And they got into this debate over who represented the oldest profession. And the surgeon said, hey, I, I, 
surgery is the oldest profession. Others just said, well, prove it. He goes, well, I remember when I was a kid, I went to vacation Bible school, and they told this story about Adam, uh, this guy Adam and, and Eve, and, and God created Eve by taking a rib out of Adam, therefore surgery is the oldest profession. And the guy said, okay, okay. Well, the architect began to think for a moment. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I went to Sunday school when I was a kid, and I remember that story. But I remember it saying that, that, God, that God first, before he created Adam and Eve, he created all of this out of chaos. Therefore, God had to have been an architect. Surgeon said, yeah, I guess you're right. Well, the, the, the politician was sitting over by the window and he said, wait a minute, guys. Somebody had to first create the chaos. <laughs> all right, I, I can tell those kind of jokes because I'm a recovering politician, okay? While the, the Supreme Court and our political class is not solely responsible for the moral and the social chaos that has enveloped our nation, they do bear much of the responsibility. For instance, our court took the godless philosophies of men like Jean-Jacques Rousseau and Friedrich Nietzsche and others, and, and like the priest of the high places of the Old Testament, they used it to supplant the law of God with the preferences and the desires of man. In one of the courts, our Supreme Court of this country, one of its first moves in this area came back in 1962, when the U.S. Supreme Court, in the case of Engel versus Vitale, voted by a vote of eight to one to outlaw prayer in our public schools. The following year in Abington School District versus Shemp, the court ruled that the reading of the Bible and the Lord's Prayer in public schools were illegal as well. So what has happened in our nation since those decisions were made? Is America a better place? Well, let me compare just a few statistics from 1963 and today that I believe paints a very clear picture of the moral chaos in America. In 1963, the percentage, uh, the percentage of babies born to unwed mothers was 6.3%. In 2020, the percentage of babies born to unwed mothers was 40.5%. In 1963, there were only two major sexually transmitted diseases. Today, there are approximately 25 different sexually transmitted diseases, and that doesn't include the new monkeypox. According to the Centers for Disease Control, there are 20 million new cases each year. Roughly one out of every three Americans has an STD. In fact, STDs have reached an all-time high for the seventh consecutive year according to the CDC. Dr. Jane Anderson, a, member, a board member of the American College of Pediatricians, recently said this, quote, beginning in the 1960s, the sexual revolution promoted the myth that sexual activity could occur outside of traditional marriage without any short-term or long-term consequences. America is unfortunately continuing to reap the terrible results of this philosophy, end quote. In 1963, don't miss this, in 1963, there were 186 people that died that year due to drug overdoses. That was 0.1 per 100,000. 
In May of this year, the CDC announced yet another record broken with the latest data on drug overdose deaths, 70,630. 21.6 per 100,000. Or in other words, 193 people a day are dying in America because of drug overdoses. That is more than died the entire year in 1963. At the end of the last year, the FBI reported the United States in 2020 experienced the most significant rise in murder since the start of national record-keeping in 1960. So is there a causal relationship between rejecting God and the downward spiral of our culture? Now, I know the media and others would reject and scoff and mock at such a notion, but God's word warns of the consequences of rejecting him and his word. And I will tell you this, I will stand on the side of the word of God. You know what, I think, you know, we're, so many Christians are fearful of being canceled by the left for speaking truth. Let me let you in on a secret. They can't cancel us because we've already been crucified in Christ. We need to stand and speak the truth of God, regardless of what those on the other side of these issues say. You know, Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 1. I hope I don't need that. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. He said, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. That's what's happening today. The truth is being suppressed because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. So just as Deuteronomy 30 verse 11 says, this choice and the consequences, it's not too mysterious. America is suffering the consequences of our choice. But here, all right, I know that's a gloomy picture, but here's God's promise. It's not too late to turn around. He says, repent. This passage is a call to repent and return to God. This speaks prophetically to the nation of Israel and the ingathering that will and is taking place of the Jewish people. But there are principles for us here as well. Similar to what we see in the story of the prodigal son in the New Testament. God is not for us. God, God is not against us. He is for us. Luke chapter 15, verse 17, speaking of the prodigal, says, But when he came to himself, the prodigal, he said, How many of my father's servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him in a distance, at a distance and had compassion on him, and he ran and he fell on him and kissed him. See, that principle is true for individuals and for nations. God is saying if we just make a move toward him in repentance, he will fully embrace us and forgive us no matter what we have done. You know, after the bottom has fallen out and you're enveloped in chaos, 
When you've come to your senses, God says, return to me. And I, 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 I just feel like I need to say this. We spend too much time explaining away the consequences of our choices, even as a nation. You know, we look, at, look around us. Look what's happening in our nation. Historic inflation, historic gas prices, crime and violence at record levels. Is that, I mean, that's not all Putin's fault. It's the consequences of our choices. Look again at what our text says. Verse 1, now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul. You see, repentance is a prominent message in the Old Testament and the New Testament. This was the message of John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, what does it mean to repent? Well, the Greek word for repent is metanoia, and it means to change your mind, to change the way you think, and with that, the way you act. Now, don't miss what I'm about to share with you. As we stand, I believe, at one of the most significant moments in the history of our nation, in the Supreme Court opinion in Dobbs, written by Justice Samuel Alito. Here is what the court's majority said, quote, we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. The Constitution makes no reference to abortion, and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, end quote. The court has completely overturned the two previous cases on abortion. The court don't miss this. The court is changing its mind on abortion, essentially repenting for abortion. But there's much more to this court's decision. The foundational issue in this decision and in the issue of abortion is whose morality will govern our nation. We must seize this moment and resolve to wholly return to God. And that's what we must do. We must resolve. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. You see, our love for God is expressed in our obedience to God. Look what Jesus said over in John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's not legalism, it's love. Our obedience, let me be very clear, our obedience does not save us. But we are obedient to God because we are saved. And we then walk according to his ways. The voters of Kansas will be the first to respond to the opportunity presented by the Dobbs decision and do what I believe is described in the New Testament is the works of repentance. By beginning to rebuild a culture of life. The value of them both campaign doesn't end abortion, but it provides the means to do so. By taking it out of the hands of the court, and I certainly pray that you will use your influence to encourage family and friends and coworkers to vote for the value them both amendment 
that will be on the ballot. You can influence the nation by seizing this opportunity to wholly return to God. Now, understand, as I mentioned, this is about more than abortion. It's about choosing the abundant life. I often gauge the significance of a matter based upon how those who stand in contradiction to the word of God react. And I will tell you the outsized reaction of some on the left shows the far-reaching significance of this Dobbs decision. During an interview with the Seattle Times editorial board, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said that this decision in Dobbs has an impact beyond a woman's right to choose. The next thing could be gay marriage equality. There's so many other things that once you've dispensed with precedent and privacy that they could have the majority to do, she added. President Biden said this, he said, it's not only the brutality of taking away a woman's right to control her own body. Uh, let me just stop it. Let me tell you what's brutal. The brutal is dissembling and tearing apart a baby in its mother's womb. That is brutality. God will judge a nation for that. God have mercy on us. He says this, mark my words, he said they're going to go after the 2015 Supreme Court decision on same-sex marriage. And of course, we see how they're reacting to this. The reaction of the left reveals that they too know this is about more than abortion. In fact, abortion is just a symptom of the underlying issue this court decision recognizes. By overturning Roe and Casey, the prevailing jurisprudence on abortion, the Supreme Court is dismantling the high places the idols of our day upon which our nation's standard of morality has been based. The real issue here, and don't miss this, the real issue is who will define morality? Who defines what is right and wrong? Is it God or is it man? As I pointed to earlier in the 1960s, the Supreme Court removed God. It suddenly began to replace the moral law of God which the founders and the Constitution references as the laws of nature and nature's God. They replace that with the preferences of individuals. In other words, the court over the last 60 plus years has replaced God with man. Substituted the transcendent truth of God with the preferences of individuals. Morality today in America is seen as nothing more than personal choices. And emboldened by the transformative effect of their power and their decisions, the court clearly stated this, of this effort to supplant the truth of God with man's preferences back in 1992. This was written by Justice Anthony Kennedy in Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which Dobbs overturned. And I quote in part, quote, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Beliefs about these matters could not define the attributes of personhood were they formed under the compulsion of the state, end quote. Let me just tell you, nothing could be further from biblical truth. God is the creator and the author of life. God defines what life is. God sustains it and he is the only one who has the right to define it.
Carl Truman, in his book, The Rise and Triumph of Modern Self, writes of this statement by Judge Justice Kennedy, quote, such a statement should really be deemed incoherent when it comes from a legal body because it arguably is mystical in its approach to personhood. Now this, as I said, explains why those on the left have responded to the Dobbs decision as if the world was coming to an end. Because in reality, their world of made-up rights could be unraveling. Let's go back to our text to see what God says is at stake for our families and our nation in this choice that is before us. What happens if we have the resolve to choose life? That, That is, if we turn back to God and love him more than self and live according to his word and not our own desires. Final point, restore. God will restore the blessings of life to us and our nation. Verse 8, and you again will obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abound in the work of your hand, in the fruit of your body, and in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your land. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. If You obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in the book of the law. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. This is about so much more than the issue of abortion. This is about embracing the truth of God in every aspect of our lives. Let me close with a personal story. A number of years ago, I, when my kids were all little and at home, we, uh, we, I made one of the worst financial investments I ever made. I bought a motorhome. <laughs> How many have experienced that? Worst financial decision, but the best investment I ever made in my family. Because once we had it, we had to use it. And, uh, and so I, I would look for opportunities to you know, take short kind of short trips, and I was called to, uh, to go speak at a, an event that Kim ha- Ken Ham was doing, uh, his annual conference. It just so happened to be it was in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which I love Pigeon Forge. Anybody ever been there? Great place. Uh, and so we, I, I told my wife, I said, well, look, we can go up there. It was on the July, happened to be July 4th weekend. I said, well, we'll go up there and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll spend, uh, I'll speak, and then we'll spend a week up there, just go up to Smokies and have fun. She said, oh, that'd be great. Now, I describe myself as conservative. My wife calls me cheap. Um, but how many of you know when you have a motorhome, you can stay in Walmart parking lots for free, right? Okay. So we, uh, we spent the first night in a Walmart parking lot, and, uh, and we were heading on in, and we were going through Cleveland, Tennessee. Anybody ever been to Cleveland, Tennessee? Yeah, let's go! This guy likes Cleveland. Okay. Well, then you know exactly what I'm about to say. So we were driving through the middle of town, and my wife was in the back, and my oldest daughter was in the front. We were just having a typical conversation that people have on vacation about how the politicians were destroying the country and that sort of thing. And my, we, were, we were fixing to, to go through an intersection. My wife jumped to the front to try to get my attention, but it was too late. Uh, we went under an overpass that was about... I think 10 feet, five inches, and our RV is 11. 
And, you know, you, it's one of those points where you panic. You don't know what to do, you know. And so I just floored it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to get stuck. I'd seen all those videos of people getting stuck under there. And we made it through, at least most of us. There was screeching and scratching and all this noise. And we get through to the other side and my... Um, you know, I was panicked. I didn't know if I should scream or cry. And so my, my wife says, well, look, I'll get out. I'll jump out. As soon as you can get through the traffic and pull over, I'll look to see how bad it is. I mean, I knew how bad it was. I could see daylight. <laughs> so I find a place to pull off, and um, she gets out. 30 seconds, she's back in. It's bad. So we tried, we're trying to figure out what are we going to do, where are we going to go, how are we going to get this thing fixed. So she starts calling insurance, trying to find a place. And about that time, it just begins to downpour. <laughs> and my youngest son, who was about five or six at the time, he had a, had a pan, was running around trying to catch the water coming into the RV. And uh, long story short, we, ended up find, we had to take it back to Chattanooga. So I, I get out the old duct tape and some plastic and bang into tape on the parts that were falling off. And uh, we drove slow, got back to Chattanooga. And my parents were going to meet us uh, at uh, Pigeon Forge. So they, they came over there and we got a, a U-Haul trailer and put all of our stuff in there. And, uh, and we were pulling a car. So we got into the car and I, I would tell you this, never try to get a hotel room at the last minute in Pigeon Forge on a July 4th weekend. I mean, the only thing left was this like a pet hotel. Uh, I mean, dogs barking in every room. It was horrible. So we get there. Uh, this was on a Saturday. The next morning, Sunday, I was supposed to speak on Monday. And I, I went out, and I had been serving as an interim pastor for about three months. It's the first weekend we had off. And I was, you ever, ever complained to God? You know, why me, God? I know you don't, but I did that time. And, and so I was out running, which is what I do when I'm trying to relieve stress. And I, I came back, and I told my wife, I said, we're just going home. I'll call Ken. He can get another speaker. I said, how am I going to, how are we going to enjoy this weekend? I mean, look, I, I can't even think about this. I can't think about which kid's not going to go to college so I can fix my RV. And she goes, well, wait a minute. Let's just go down and see your parents for a minute. And then, then you can make a decision. So I said, okay. So we, we drove down uh, to see my parents who were staying in a condo that didn't have any dogs. And so we we go down and uh, this is like 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning in Pigeon Forge. And, and I have a a warning here. There's another bridge in the story. So we're going down the middle of the uh, Pigeon Forge and these two police cars coming on both sides of us with lights going. And I'm like, what in the world happens in Pigeon Forge on a Sunday morning? So we're, we're turning off onto a bridge. And all of a sudden we find ourselves blocked in police cars on both ends. Nobody else on the bridge. I'm thinking, what in the world? And then I look over, and there's a woman about to jump off the bridge. And I immediately told my wife, I said, you, they were both uniformed officers, and the closer they got to the woman, she began to, to move toward the edge of the bridge. And I told my wife, I said, you take the, the car. I will see if I can help these officers. And so I walked up, and they, and they asked for you know, who I was, and I, had, I still work with law enforcement as a chaplain and do some work. And so they, can, they asked me, can you help us? And I said, well, I'll try. Long story short, it took me about 45 minutes, but I, I talked to the woman, heard her story, and talked her down off the edge onto the curb and was able to, to pray with her. It's a typical story. Divorce, 
Her son was in the military, hadn't heard from him. She was on drugs. It was all of these issues that, that are so prevalent today that she just didn't feel like life was worth it any longer. And so she said, I'll go. They, they needed to take her to the hospital. And she said, I'll go if you'll go with me. First time I've ever ridden in the back of a police car, but I went with her. Went to the hospital and they ended up uh, admitting her. And the police took me back to the condo where my wife and parents were. And I never forget walking through the door and my wife just hugging me saying, aren't you glad we didn't go home? You know, as followers of Christ, we have the words of life. You know, and, and, and sometimes when, 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 when all that's going on like we see today, we just want to retreat into our own world and just give up. We can't. We have the words of life. We must encourage others to choose life. Confronting the deception and the darkness that clouds the actions of so many by shining the light of truth. Who knows but that you, collectively here in Kansas, may be the ones it talks this nation off the edge back to walking in the light of truth. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Father, that you are so desirous of relationship with us, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, that if we'll just repent and turn to you that you will embrace us, forgive us, restore us into that relationship. As was, as was said earlier, as we partook of communion, that this is about restoring that relationship if we'll simply repent and turn to you. That applies to individuals and it applies to nations as you are consistent throughout your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come and speak to our hearts this morning as only you can. In an attitude of prayer, every head bowed this morning, every eye closed, I just want to ask you, because I want to pray for you. Some of you this morning may want to speak out for life. You want to speak for truth, but you're, you're intimidated by what's happening in our culture. And you just need the courage of the Lord. You need the Holy Spirit boldness. With no one looking around, why don't you slip up your hand, because I want to pray for you. If that's you, you want the boldness. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, yes, I see hands all across the auditorium. Just hold them up for just a moment. No one looking around. I want to pray for you in agreement. Father, I thank you for those who are saying, I want the boldness of the Holy Spirit, the courage to speak truth to a culture that is enveloped in darkness. Use me to reach those that are on the edge, that, Lord, they might hear the truth and embrace life. To put your head down, your hands down, continuing in prayer. You're here this morning. If you're honest with yourself, you've never repented of your sins. You've never experienced the restoration that comes through Jesus Christ. You're living in the consequences of choices, but you've never experienced the freedom and the restoration that comes through Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, with no one looking around, you want to slip up your hand because I want to pray for you this morning. You want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? You want Jesus to restore you into that relationship. Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? 
You want him to restore you into a relationship with your creator. Right where you are, if you raised your hand, I want you to pray with me. Father, God in heaven, I realize this morning I am a sinner and I need a savior. And I ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess Jesus as the Lord of my life from this day forward. Forgive me, change me, restore me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I invite you, and in fact, I encourage you, I implore you to visit with one of the pastors here that can walk with you on the journey of life that you've chosen. May God bless you.